welcome back to podcast i'm Cass, and every week i bring you another guest who tells us their story and gives us any tip on back the shit that life loves to throw at us i've been under a bit of a dark cloud this week and under these i find that i close myself off and i try and hide how i'm feeling i just kind of retreat into myself i don't want to talk about it i just want to try and get through the day and i guess this week as well as being extremely soothing and lovely showed me the strength in revealing vulnerabilities and healing yourself without hiding away she is such an inspirational lady who went through a horrific event in her life and she combated her own personal path back to happiness now i've got to say this is the first time i've ever done this but this episode requires a trigger warning as we will be talking about rape if you don't feel strong enough that is absolutely fine this episode is not for you but my guest is an amazing lady who made her way back being happy from this. And I hope you find it just as inspiring as I do. This week, I'm talking to Lois Wagner, who is a conversationalist, intelligence coach and leadership consultant in South Africa. Hi, Lois. Hi, Cassie. How are you? Oh, I am so good and I am so excited for our conversation. Fabulous. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Now, you have your own podcast, which is Walking Without Skin, and you also have a website called walkingwithoutskin.com. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And I also have a book called Walking Without Skin. Oh, you do, you do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yes, Walking Without Skin, it started off, um, the book was the the first element. And it started off as a journal after I was brutally attacked and raped and tied up and left to bleed to death. So it started as a journal. Uh, This is now 25 years ago. (laughs) And (laughs) I had every intention of publishing it as a book. But over the years, it just became a boring, wada, wada, wada diary. (laughs) And so it never, ever reached publication. But I published it in 2019, Um, in a slightly different format. So it's no longer just a journal. It's a a combination memoir and self-help guide. Yeah. Helping people overcome their trauma. Now, I've been listening to your podcast and I've just told you before, it is so inspirational because you talk to people from all walks of life. And you always ask people what walking without skin means to them. And I love how you explain it, how it's you are letting yourself see your vulnerabilities. You are letting yourself rediscover your skin and rediscover how you can be strong in yourself. And that is just beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it's just all about vulnerability and being prepared to expose your thoughts and your feelings and to share. Yeah. And also, I with your book, was it hard to relive that mentally or was it cathartic? It really always depends on where you are on your healing journey. Um, so for me, I always say talk, speak about it, write about it, because that helps you recover a lot quicker. And and in the telling of your story to others, and you don't have to go public like I've been, you can, you can just tell a therapist or a friend, uh, but sharing your story is it becomes less 
your story in it and the universe sort of takes some of that angst away from you and it becomes easier and easier and so and it depends again on how you've dealt with your trauma if you're still in the victim phase where you're still filled with hatred and fear and anxiety and stress then it, it can be very triggering but once you've healed and once you've gone through the healing journey then it doesn't trigger you anymore there's no you've broken the incident from the emotion and that's what's so important. You know, we, we get locked into the incident. I was raped. Yeah. Uh, and and then you have all of But once you say, well, that happened, I can't change what happened, but I can change how I feel about it. So dealing with those emotions releases you from having those triggers. That's amazing. And it's kind of like with books, it's you're closing that chapter and you're saying, that was my story. That's not my story anymore. I'm on my now, my next chapter. The story always lives with you. you. You never forget it and it becomes part of you. And it depends on how you manage the process because we call it post-traumatic growth. So what have you done with the learning from your experience? How have you used that to to develop yourself, to improve yourself, to find new meaning for your life. And then also you can develop a benefit mindset, which is what I did, and that is where you give back. You use your experience yeah. to help others. So uh, the story is always with you. Yes, you do write a new chapter and a different chapter, uh, but the story is is always the, or the, the original, the, the start. It's the origin of your story. Yeah. And when, um, sorry, I, I'm getting like really emotional just thinking about this. So you have so many ways of giving back because you want to help other people. Like you said on your podcast, you know, you didn't have these people around that understood exactly what you had gone through and it wasn't the right way to talk about it in society people didn't want to really talk about it and that can be a very very lonely very lonely place it can be and you know remember this happened to me many years ago long before the me too movement uh, and today it's now acceptable to speak about it in my day you didn't use the word rape in polite circles it, it just it's just something you never spoke about and so uh, the Me Too movement has done a lot of good. I think it's done a lot of harm too. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's enabled people to come out and to speak and to share their stories. And, and so sharing the story for me, as I said, it's so important to be able to share it with somebody. Um, and, and, yeah, so I didn't have that opportunity. I created that opportunity for myself. And it was difficult. You're a very, very brave woman. And I'm not just saying that that is, I honestly mean it to you. You are so brave. And it's, I heard on your podcast as well that after the rape, you was, you was fighting it. You was fighting for change and that stopped your healing process. Can you talk to me a bit about that? So what happened? Obviously I was so angry. 
um, that this would happen to me. And so I became an activist immediately. Uh, I went out on the streets and I marched and I petitioned and I lobbied and I was out there. The, the man who raped me was out on bail for rape and it was just not acceptable in my opinion that this man was walking the streets. And so I wanted to change the law and so I went on this big <laughs> activism journey to change the world. And it was... It was an interesting journey and I achieved quite a bit through it. But what happened was I was, everybody was so proud of me and they were saying, you're so brave, you're so strong, we're so proud of you, you're so brave, you're so strong, going out there and changing the world. And there I was, look at me, I'm so brave, I'm so <laughs> strong. And it was about two years later, one morning, I just couldn't get out of bed. Um, my legs and back just didn't work scans and x-rays and what have you. I had two back operations. They both failed. I was bedridden for six months. Uh, the, the surgeon had told me that I would never do my two loves, which was hiking and scuba diving, because I could never carry anything on my back again. And so uh, I lay in bed and I wallowed in self-pity. And it was pointed out to me that there was nothing wrong with me. It was all psychosomatic because when I was so brave and strong, I was just out there changing the world and I was, you know, I didn't need the support. And what happened now, suddenly my body said, hold it, lady, you need to take time out. You need to heal. You haven't healed. And so it forced me to stay in bed. It forced me to to accept all the help and support from other people. They shopped and cleaned and did everything for me. And when it was pointed out to me that it was psychosomatic, I did the inner work and I went back to the trauma and I dealt with those emotions. And that is the problem. We don't deal with the emotions straight away. We, we Well, I didn't anyway, and a lot of people don't. And and you, you're a victim after you've experienced some trauma, whatever it is, and it doesn't have to be as extreme as mine. It could just be a divorce or the loss of a loved one or the loss of a job. You, you, you're traumatized and you need to manage those emotions. And the sooner you manage them, the better. So yeah. with me, I managed it two years later. Um, I went for eight chiropractic treatments and uh, I did a five-day hiking trail with a 29-kilogram backpack on my back. Wow. <laughs> I would never do it. And that just shows the power of the mind and how the body and mind is so connected and why it is so important that you deal with those emotions as and when they arrive, uh, arise. Because if you don't, they do. that is what comes back and triggers you and creates the PTSD. That's amazing. Um, and like you were saying, it doesn't have to be anything like rape. It can be something just so small, but it is traumatic for you. Um, I'm, I will admit, um, after my nana passed away, I was absolutely heartbroken. And I kept reliving that moment over and over again in my dreams and I wasn't I was just going through the motions during the day and I wasn't dealing with it and it kept coming on and coming on and I'd be waking up crying screaming 
And then I had to realize that's not going to do me any good. I needed to focus on that feeling of letting go and coming to terms with it. And that helped. And it's mental how you just keep drawing back on that negative energy and it doesn't make you feel any better trying to forget it because it doesn't go away. It's always there at the back of you. And it's important that you do grieve. You lost something. And it's important that you feel that pain and that sadness and that sorrow. Uh, And if you don't feel it, that is, again, where it's going to come back and hurt you later on. So you must deal with it. You must cry. You must do all of those things. But there's a time where you've got to say, okay, that has happened. It is in the past. I'm sad that it happened. And I'll always be sad. I'll always miss that person or I'll always regret that decision or whatever it is you've done um, and and then say okay now I need to make myself happy how do I make yeah. myself happy what are the emotions I need to put into my life to make yeah. me a healthy mentally healthy person yeah and funnily enough one of your logos is the butterfly that your sister drew for you with the tree in the butterfly veins my nana always wanted to become a butterfly and you wrote on that it's beauty arising out of apparent death and it's a you know a symbol for transformation and she always believed that there was something more beautiful on the next side and when I saw your logo and when I read your words I just erupted into goosebumps because my way of dealing with that like that grief I went and got a tribute tattoo, which was a butterfly, because I know she's somewhere better, and it helps me to remember that. And every time I see a butterfly now, I think of her, but I'm not sad anymore, and it's not triggering me anymore. I can be happy that she's in a better place. And when I saw that, I understood exactly where you was going with it, and it was so beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, butterflies, dragonflies, they, they all symbolize something better, something more beautiful. And it's great to have a symbol in your mind, whatever it is, and it, it could be anything, but something that just helps you focus on the other side, on what is better. Always. And that's, the, that's what we live for. We live to keep on striving. And too often you hear about people that traumatic things that have happened to them and they get stuck in that one place and they, they don't manage to break forward. And it's amazing that you are there to help people through that. You say you hold their hand and you will help them to come to deal with their emotions and to accept what has been and to give them the tools to move forward with their life. Yeah, and, and, you know, everyone says it's so impossible. It, it becomes more difficult when you've, you've held it in for too long. So especially if people who've suffered childhood trauma and they've carried that for years and years and years, then it becomes more difficult because they've linked the event to the emotions. 
and it becomes hard to break that away and saying they are two separate things. So the sooner you can deal with it, the, the easier the journey of healing is going to become. But it can be healed, and you can heal it in bits and pieces. I was chatting to somebody the other day where we were saying that um, you heal, so maybe you were afraid. So I've healed the fear of being attacked. And maybe I've healed the, the, the regret of, of not knowing how to fight. And you heal bits and pieces of the event. But maybe all of a sudden you smell something that reminds you of that incident. And you haven't healed that aspect of it. And that yeah. might happen a year later, 10 years later, 20 years later. It hasn't triggered you, but all of a sudden it triggers you. And it's important then that you sit with that and you deal with it and you heal that trigger so that it doesn't come back again. So we were discussing, are you ever fully healed? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, no, she wasn't because she would. She said she was like 95% healed because these little triggers kept coming back or yeah. new triggers kept coming in. So, yes, so the more you can deal with it at the moment, in the, at the beginning, the better. But, yes, there will be things you forget, you know, in that, in that traumatic moment. You forget the smell or you forget the colour or you forget whatever it is, and then only later that reminds you of of the situation and it's really really strange that it's them little things and it's them little things that you didn't realize you was picking up at the time but all of a sudden you see i don't know a, a pair of eyes across the street and it reminds you of him and but they were things that you you didn't even think of at the time yeah As I say, it can happen. With me, it stopped happening when I forgave. Um, yeah. 14 years after I was attacked, I went to the prison to the parole hearing. He was given a 25-year sentence. And I went to the parole hearing and I forgave him. And it's quite amazing how after that forgiveness, how it set me completely free. And it broke that bond that was tying me yeah. to him. So for 14 years, I'd had triggers and I'd had emotional outbursts and I'd had various depressive moments and what have you. Um, but once I forgave, it literally set me free. And I have never been triggered since that day, since wow. I forgave. Um, and so that is <laughs> that is my story. Um, not everybody's going to agree with that. But for me, it took me from being a victim mm -hmm. to becoming a survivor. And when you're a survivor, you're still a victim in a way because you still tend to get your life back. So you, you, you develop resilience to become a survivor. So you, you practice doing new things and you, you start looking at things differently and you refocus and you reframe your, your energies. Um, but it's a struggle. So to yeah. be a survivor for me is not the end result. What happens then is you develop your grit and that is where you, you get that future focus and you get your passion and your persistence and your perseverance and you go forward in, in a strong direction and you become empowered and that's when you become a thriver. 
and and that's where you get the benefit mindset and the growth mindset and and then finally you forgive and that sets you free and when people say it's impossible I can't forgive how can I ever forgive the unforgivable it's because they still in victim or in survivor phase because when you're in that phase, how can you forgive? You, you're still trying to make sense of things. You're still trying to get your life back together. It's only when you've overcome that that you're in a position to honestly and and completely and compassionately forgive the other person. But also knowing that forgiveness is not about condoning or yeah. getting the other person off the hook. It's about you breaking the tie. And it is like the life cycle of a butterfly. Like before the attack, you was a caterpillar. The attack, and then the fourteen years after, you was in your chrysalis. And then the moment you forgave him, you broke out and you became the butterfly. And that is really, really it was, cool. It was, it was quite interesting because the authorities said to me they would let me know in seven days if he got parole or not. And I looked at them and I said, no, you won't tell me. I don't want to know. I don't need to know because I was now so completely free of him. Whatever happened to him now had nothing to do with me whatsoever. Wow. So you managed to not only deal with it because some people hold on to it like a crux, like anything that makes them feel bad or anything that they do, they can say, oh, it's, it's because I've got this. This is what happened to me. And they can blame it all on that, whereas you just get said, no, I don't want that. I'm now my person again. I am my own person and I don't need this shadow on my life. Absolutely. And I just wish everybody, I, I, when I introduce myself, I often say I'm Lois, your friend for forgiveness. <laughs> I, think, I think that is that is the answer. It really is. If we can learn to forgive. and. The line from your book on the beginning, um, Walking Without Skin, A Journey of Healing, From Fear to Forgiveness to Freedom. That's such a powerful statement. <laughs> yeah, it was because there was so much fear, and not only the fear of the attack, but fear of where's my life going, what's going to happen to me, how am I going to cope, how am I going to manage these negative emotions. So it's that fear as well, the fear of your emotions, the fear of your future. Um, and then, of, of course, that forgiveness just gave me that freedom. That is it's so beautiful. So on your website, you do... Be Brave Masterclasses. Can you tell me about Be Brave? So I help people overcome their trauma by teaching them how to manage their, their, their negative emotions and then how to develop their resilience and their grit and how to forgive. And one day I just thought, why am I helping people recover? <laughs> We've got to stop it happening in the first place. It shouldn't happen. People shouldn't have to be face sexual abuse and sexual trauma gender-based violence and so I came up with the BRAVE concept where BRAVE is an acronym and if we can teach these behaviors and skills to everybody you know it started off I thought I'd aim it at men and I thought no woman can also be abusive and and we need to start with the children <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so it's really for everybody so the acronym I've got a number of words for each letter but the the key words are the B is uh, boundaries 
know your own boundaries, know the boundaries of your partner and the people around you and then honor those boundaries. The R is respect. And respect is a big one because people have different definitions of respect. So it's understanding and respecting the other people's boundaries and values. A is the obvious one. It's about agreement. Ask for you to do something, (laughs) especially of a, a sexual nature. Get that agreement. Get that consent. The V is your values, understanding your values um, and, and spending time with people who have similar values. Uh, it's important that you know other people's values and that you, you're in the right crowd, you meet yeah. the right people. And then the E is equality. So if we can honour those things, then we shouldn't have the violence that we experience in the world. Uh, so, yeah, I want to get that into schools, make it part of a curriculum that people can be brave. And I completely agree with that. I mean, I've got a young son myself and it's one thing that I do impress on him is, you know, boundaries and values and respecting other people. And if you respect other people, other people will respect you and do not let other people disrespect you. And it's such a shame that we have to try and get this into schools. This should be something that is out there anyway, because it's such a big thing. You know, people shouldn't be going around and being scared of being hurt and, you know, abused. And bullying and bullying is such a big problem in schools. You know, we really need to to get people to understand that bullying is a bad Thing. It's a bad behavior, and we need to teach kids that. And that's where it starts. When you be, when you're a bully, that's when you become a pervert later, or a or a, you arrest other people. Yeah, I fully understand that. And you also hold retreats. And I mean, obviously, COVID reliant, but you also hold uh, retreats. Is it Bosnia Herzegovina? Yeah. I can never yeah, say that word. Yeah. I um, yeah. Unfortunately, that's all on hold for the moment. But the whole idea is is to focus on the forgiveness and finding the freedom um, from whatever the trauma is that you faced. So, but that's all a little bit futuristic now. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way that you described it. It was the country is still healing where it's become a kind of a go-to place for people that want to heal themselves. I I love the way that you've connected the country and the people striving for that next step forward. Yeah, I was looking at any country that had recently gone through some of the horrors of war, and there's quite a few of them, Um, but that one just because there was so much, and, you know, my my story is more about the rape, and there was so much rape and and horrendous tortures that took place in, in, in that war. But Rwanda was another one, and so there might be retreats in Rwanda and even in Cambodia. So we'll take these retreats around the world. They're amazing. So how do you use your conversational intelligence to help people? Okay, well, conversational intelligence is a coaching modality. So it's just, it's about communication. It's about listening and talking and and but really connecting with the other people around you. And if, if we can learn to communicate properly, half of our problems are going to disappear. 
So we really <laughs> need to work on on conversation, on communication. Oh, I love that. That's exactly how I try and live my life. It's, I mean, I, I get told I never shut up, which is a problem sometimes. But I also believe that if I didn't, I'd go under a dark cloud of depression and it's a very lonely place to be. And I don't want to be in that place any more than anybody else wants to be under it. And I'm hoping that this podcast allows other people to recognize that in themselves and reach out to people like yourself or reach out to people that they wouldn't have thought of reaching out to and saying, I need a support bubble so that I can get out of this dark cloud. Yeah, there's, there's so many, you know, there are so many different healers and modalities and therapies that the first one you go to may not work for you. And that's okay. It's not right for you. Everybody's journey is unique and everybody needs something different. So it's finding what works for you. And there are literally hundreds and hundreds of different types of therapies um, and and also different types of people who offer those therapies. So I'm very much into somatic and cognitive. We talk about it. We do some body work. Um, but other people do the EFT tapping, which I don't do. Um, so there's lots of things that, that you can do uh, and, and basic stuff that you can do on your own as well. Breathing, proper <laughs> focus, focused breathing. Focused breathing is very powerful when, you've, when you're fearing, feeling one of those negative emotions to just really focus on your breathing. It helps you move away from that particular emotion that you're feeling. I always say you start, you take your hand and you start with your finger of the other hand at the base of your thumb and you count breathing in to the top of your thumb. Hold for a, a count. And I don't say count four or whatever because everybody breathes differently. So whatever's comfortable for you. Hold and then breathe out going down. And then you do it for each finger. And by the time you've done it and you've really focused on it, whatever that negative emotion was, it's less intense. So breathing and just any kind of breathing exercise, focusing on your breathing is very powerful. That is a really good tool because by touching your, your finger to your hand and focusing on moving your finger around your hand, you're taking away the the strength of that feeling that they had before that triggered them and you're now making them focus on something else physically and mentally and everything else so that it dis- it takes away the force and it doesn't mean that you ignore that emotion because you need to deal with that emotion yeah. but it just takes the edge off when yeah. you're feeling intensely afraid or sad or whatever it is. And then you can go back and say, okay, now how do I deal with this emotion? Oh, that's just amazing. So when people reach out to you, is it are they timid about trying things or are they very focused on I need to get to the next step? Again, everybody's different. So some people are just curious. <laughs> um, other, other people want instant cures. Some people are prepared to do the work. You've got to do the work. It's not yeah. going to just happen. You've got to do the work. Um, and, and just 
So it's about building rapport. When somebody first comes to me, I, I do a free a free discussion with them where we just we just discuss where they're at at their journey and what they're expecting. And if we are comfortable with each other, we can discuss going on a healing journey together. But it's important that you like your therapist. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to like you don't have to like them as in as in a, a your best friend. But you've got to be comfortable with them. You've got to trust them. Trust is very important, and so that building that rapport, um, and and then you can take it the journey and say, okay, where are we going with this? Yeah, and it it is nice that you talk about there is all different types of therapists because here in the UK we get quite a stiff upper lip and a lot of us are like, no, we don't need therapy. We'll sort it out ourselves. And I think it's because through movies, it's you're laid on the couch, you've got someone in front of you with a notebook going, and how do you feel about that? And it, well, I didn't think I needed a thera- therapist. I, I, was, I was good. I was brave and strong. <laughs> and I didn't need a therapist. I did at the... At the um, uh, pressure from friends, I did eventually go to a therapist and it was a bad experience. It was the wrong person. Um, and so you've got to just find the right the right modality for you. And mine ended up when I was in bed. That's where I found what was right for me. Yeah. And I was also looking um, at your book and it said that the boldness is a characteristic that all women should embrace. And you think that's what women would do anyway, but a lot don't. And especially women who are in relationships with a narcissistic partner, uh, they they get downtrodden and they get, you know, they, they just lose themselves in the relationship. And so, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult for people to break out of narcissistic relationships, especially when... They, they loved the person and maybe yeah. the person loved them as well. It's really hard to say, okay, um, this is not working. I need to get out of this. Uh, and, and the narcissist usually uh, usually offers apologies and gifts and things. <laughs> it makes the woman want to stay as well. Well, that's where the be brave comes into it, where you know your own values, you know what to accept and what not to accept and, I know where I'm from, from Yorkshire, and all the women are quite bold. <laughs> we normally tell the men where to go. <laughs> and on my first day, I gave my now husband three rules to be with me. And it wasn't massive. It wasn't, you need to buy me chocolates and diamonds and pearls. It was, Why not? <laughs> well, I should have put that one in. <laughs> but it was don't hurt me in any way. You don't cheat on me. You don't hit me. You do any of them and I walk on you will never get another chance. And I remember after a while, I said to him, like, you know, what is it that made you want to be with me? And he said, I've never known someone who was that confident in what they was willing to accept and what they wasn't. And it's, we should be inspiring women to say things like this. And we, in fact, it's men as well. It's all inclusive. Know what you are willing to accept in a relationship and don't take anything less. Well, it actually starts with self-awareness. And so many people don't have that self-awareness. Who am I? 
What are my values? What makes me happy? And so self-awareness, I've got a program where I take people, it's a five-step program, 10-week program, where I take people to to understand who they are, to find out what they want, what their dreams are, and and to develop a brand, a personal brand around themselves. And it starts with self-awareness. That's beautiful. I just, I really hope that you manage to get that message as far and wide as you can. I mean, I'm going to be helping you because I fully believe in this. And I really hope that a lot of my listeners take something from this and it helps them as well. Uh, what are the next steps that you want to take with it? Or is, are you quite happy with how things are going now? Yeah, I want to just get more of the same, get the message across to a wider audience. I'd like to be able to get it into countries like India that it has such a terrible um, rape crisis yeah. uh, situation. So I'd like, uh, you know, it's quite funny in all the research I've done, you know, they say South Africa and India have the highest statistics. But when you look at Britain and you look at America, they also one in three women are abused. So it's an international pandemic. Yeah. And and we need to, you know, and, and as I said, the Me Too movement is not doing it. The Me Too movement's been going for a number of years now. And I think it's becoming a little bit of wallpaper because people say, oh, there's another one, another one, another one. And people aren't taking notice of it. And secondly, and this is quite a controversial statement, um, is that men are being emasculated and they're afraid. Men are afraid now to even look at a woman. Yeah. And they're afraid, you know, and... And that is wrong, you know. Biology says that uh, to procreate, we need to attract ourselves, be attractive to members of the opposite sex. It's nature, and and we are stopping that from happening. We are stopping yeah. men from looking at women and women dressing to attract men. Um, and uh, I like a man to look at me, <laughs> and, and I like to be hugged and. Men are just too scared to do those things today. It, it is really hard because like, the world has become a very PC kind of place. And as much as we have opened up with travel and technology, we have also closed ourselves off in other areas. And one thing that really aggravates me is, you know, nightclubs especially. It is so easy to get into when you're underage, but because it's supposed to be of a certain age, then men think that it's okay, you know, and then they find out that this girl's underage and they're like, I had no idea. How was I supposed to know? And it's not condoning the men. It's not blaming the woman, but there has to be something that can be changed here. I think girls are growing up too quick. Conversation. It starts exactly. with conversation. How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's like, I asked them a question about that time frame. I mean, you could ask me about movies from the 90s and I could tell you instantly. But a child from, you know, a child might not know the answers. You know, ask them an innocent little question like that and you'll gauge how old somebody is. And I think that's, there's too much instant gratification like with one night stands and things like this people just 
they get attracted and they want to do the business, but they've not had that conversation. And who's got, who's valuing their own values? You've just given yourself away, you know, be who you want to be, but know who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Self-awareness, conversation, forgiveness. I'd well take a day over a one-night stand anytime. <laughs> uh, oh, well, thank you so much for talking with us today, Lois. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. And I invite everybody out there to learn to forgive so that they can fly free. My butterflies vanishing in the, in the virtual background. <laughs> For all my listeners, Lois is showing me the butterfly and it is beautiful. Is that the one that Liz painted for you? Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. So if you want to reach out to Lois, you can reach her at linktr.ee forward slash Lois Wagner on walkingwithoutskin.com. Is there anywhere else that they can find you, Lois? If you just Google walkingwithoutskin.com, all my links are on there so, and Linktree, um, so I'm easy to find. <laughs> an, there are a number of other Lois Wagner's out there, but if you put Walking Without Skin, you'll find me. And you'll have a whale of a time talking to her, guys. I've loved talking with Lois. Great. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity to hold this discussion with you and to have this conversation. I hope you found my conversation with Lois as interesting and inspiring as I did. I got so emotional listening to her. She, she conveyed a story and her struggles, but she never conveyed the negative impact that is still ongoing. She forgave him. She forgave herself and she made her way back to feeling happy again. And I honestly can't say anything more than I'm inspired by her. I, I, I honestly ask everybody to go and visit her website because this lady deserves to get her message out there. You can find all of Lois's links on my social media pages, which is Facebook at Podcast Official and Instagram and TikTok podcast underscore official if you've got a funny or inspiring story that you'd like to share with me please email me on officialpodcast at gmail.com please leave a rate review and subscribe on apple podcast or a recommendation on my facebook page these help my little podcast help reach bigger audiences but for this week i've chewed your ear off enough watch out for the billy bullshitters and i'll talk to you soon